Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my yeah. name is Jim Sorenza from DNB. It's my pleasure to be here with the LPG panel today. With me today, Anders Onaheim, CEO of BWLPG, Alexander Gersten, head of LPG at Fernleys, and Mats Peter Zacco, CEO of uh, Navigator. Before we get started, I'd like to give a little bit of background history, uh, and the LPG sector is not uh, ancient history, it's, it's relatively modern history. Navigator, a little over a decade ago, was the first one to go public in a form different than the form today. Then in 2013, BWLPG IPO'd, and then a few months later, we had the IPOs of both Avance Gas and uh, Dorian, both within the VLGC, the large segment. And then in 2014, we saw day rates reach $100,000 a day, which most people thought could never happen. And then we had a perfect storm. So from 2014 to 2016, the LPG fleet, certainly the VLGC fleet, virtually doubled. The oil price and the LPG prices collapsed. And then they roughly doubled the size of the Panama Canal, making it big enough for a VLGC to go through. And so what we've seen since 2016 is a sector which has traded at the biggest discount to NAV of, of any shipping segment. Uh, that is also true as of today. As I checked my email this morning, the LPG shipping segment was trading at a 30% discount to NAV, um, and no other segment has uh, traded at a bigger discount, uh, not only to this year, but over the past uh, six years. A lot's changed in the last six years. The share prices of two of these companies are roughly a billion dollars. The average daily volume has been impressive. Day rates have returned to healthy levels. And, uh, and uh, the returns by this sector has, have been impressive. So once again, the only thing that, that sell-side analysts have gotten comfortable with is the notion that it's okay for this segment to trade at a 30% discount to NAV. So let's start there. Let's start with NAV. Let's talk about returns over the cycle, and let's talk about plans to return cash. And so I'll start with Anders first on this. Okay, thank you. Um, I guess just looking at the room, see how many people left when, uh, from the LNG sector to the LPG, I guess it's, that's part of our problem. Um, I think, first of all, I think LPG as a product is not uh, well enough understood and known. So I think we as an industry have a job to do there. Uh, but having said that, I think, I think with the energy crisis uh, in our face, I think more and more people see that LPG is actually as a product that is, has very valuable. It has many benefits. It's very adaptable. It doesn't need a big infrastructure. So again, there are many benefits to LPG. We're also seeing now in Europe, of course, that with the you know, just increasing demand and also the difficulty of supplying enough LNG and the price, not, not less, it means that there will, be, there will be more focus on LPG. But coming to the valuation, I think, and, and I agree with you, Jim, that I've been speaking to many analysts and it seems to me like they all think that, yeah, 35% discount, that's, that's, that's about the right level because it's always been like that. 
I think in the past maybe the NAV was hard to justify because it was not many transactions in the S&P market. And so, uh, so, so you could argue that, you know, yes, the broker sets some value, but it's not real. At, at BWLPG, we've sold 19 ships in the last three years. At a premium to book values of about 12%. So I would argue that our, our NAV is quite real. And I think also when, when as you say, Jim, when you look at returns, at least since our IPO, uh, our numbers indicate that the LPG sector is up from all other segment, segments when it comes to return on equity. And so, so over time, I, I guess, uh, I think both investors will, will see another, and also a customer will see that, that it's such an important product, and an investor will see that it's, so, it's, so, it's such in demand that uh, those valuations will, over time, uh, become more aligned with other segments. Peter, in, in your company, you recently purchased five vessels. Yes. So you can give some clarity to the reality of NAV, but also your company is different. You deal in, you deal in smaller size vessels. You deal in different routes. You deal, you have terminals. You've got, you've secured some long-term cash flow. Take me through, take me through your views. Yeah. Um, Navigator, the, the core shipping segment for us is the handy size. So that'll be the the ships that are some 20, 25,000 cubic meters, so, so quite a bit smaller than the VLGCs. But it, it gives a, a great flexibility. It means that we will trade not only LPG, but we're also trading uh, petrochemicals, uh, mainly ethylene, and uh, we also trade ammonia. So, so there are some very interesting dynamics that I won't go into a big detail on right now, but, uh, but we have some, some, some good, uh, you could say, diversity in, in that. Not only that, we, we don't see ourselves as being just a shipping company, we see ourselves as operating a virtual pipeline. And, and that means that we have virtually, vertically integrated by also investing into uh, the Houston export terminal of ethylene together with Enterprise. Uh, so that gives, you could say, a, a different stability to our cash flows. Uh, so that combined with the uh, long uh, time charts that we also have, I think uh, it, it, it should hopefully illustrate to investors that the perceived volatility of cash flows uh, is, 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 is not the case uh, when, when it comes to, to Navigator. But we do trade at the same discount as, as you're suggesting. We're trading at a 30-35% discount to, to net asset value and that it, of course is an illustration uh, of the, the lack of confidence in the sustainability of our returns and, and also our capital, um, uh, you could say, discipline. Uh, I'm most certain that uh, a number of companies will follow what we've seen uh, some of the VLGC players do in terms of uh, starting to, to buy back own shares to return uh, uh, capital to the, to the shareholders and, and, and show uh, great capital discipline. And we, we haven't yet, uh, or we have not sold as, as, as many ships as, as Anna's just suggested, uh, but we do have, we see the same pattern here. When we're selling our ships, we're selling them at or above our net asset value. So uh, there is clearly robustness in, in, in those valuations. Alexander. Yes, sir. You've spent a few years in the LPG business. Maybe, maybe more than all of us combined. <laughs> Take us through your views over the next two to three years. Let's talk about some of the specific products and let's talk about the trade routes that, you're, that you anticipate as well. Thank you, James. Sure, I'll, I'll do so. Well, first of all, 
thank you for inviting me here and uh, with these two fine gentlemen. Uh, sorry, Mats, I will start off a little bit on the, on the VL side and, 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 of course, uh, looking at the audience here. Uh, just a quick summary of where we are today and to wrap up the year of 22. I mean, it's, uh, we are in a bubbly time for, for LPG. It's, uh, you know, uh, the prospects looks very good. Uh, you know, we have experienced uh, some strong fundamentals in the VL market now. Uh, I, I can mention a seven-year high Baltic LPG index, for instance. You know, the total export this year will add around four to five million tons additional uh, if you add US and Middle East. Uh, and also the arbitrage, which is, of course, a, such an important factor, is around 20% uh, higher compared to compared to last year. So, you know, overall, I mean, uh, uh, when we look into our, uh, uh, also this year, I mean, uh, probably we will end up around $40,000 a day uh, on average for the VLs. Uh, uh, there are, uh, you know, uh, many factors uh, combined. Uh, when we look ahead and look at the forecasts, uh, of course, next year, people are somewhat concerned maybe on the VLGC side. You know, many new buildings are coming into the market, uh, so we will probably see a small correction there. But, uh, uh, you know, overall it's looking very good. So, Mats, I'll give you the same question and please spend a little time talking about each. Because you're involved in the smaller segment and many of the products, take us through your views over the next two, three years for them. I think the, the outlook is, is very exciting. We, we mainly look at three segments. Uh, one is ammonia, the other one LPG, and the last one is, is uh, petrochemicals. Um, the LPG, I think I will leave uh, that maybe to, to Anders. We, we don't uh, export as, as, as much to, into Europe as, as we're seeing. It's being mainly done on, on the larger ships. It's, it gives a, a robust and solid business, and, and, and we expect that, that we'll continue to enjoy that strength. But, I won't go further into that. When it comes to the petrochemicals, that has been a little bit uh, dull over the summer. China stopped uh, importing ethylene from, from North America. Um, so so uh, that meant that the utilization dropped off. But we've definitely seen that come back. Uh, there's been an, an, the start of a, a correction here in, in China. They are importing uh, much more directly from, from Houston on, on ethylene ships out of our uh, joint venture terminal in, uh, in, uh, in Morgan's Point in, in Houston. So I think just over the last couple of weeks, we've seen seven, eight shipments uh, being booked, and, and that means that uh, we, we will have a, a good utilization on our ethylene ships uh, for, for, for Q4. Uh, and we think that will continue to be uh, the, the case. There is a strong structural demand for, for ethylene. It's a, it's a building block for, for industrial products, uh, including plastic. Um, of course, the, the big caveat here is uh, the global economy. Uh, it, it is a, a trade that is somewhat uh, sensitive to, to total global demand. So we will need to avoid uh, a, a deep global recession to, to, to continue to see that uh, at, at its current strength. When it comes to ammonia, that's a very exciting uh, business opportunity for us right now. If you look maybe a year back, we would have two, three ships uh, transporting ammonia. Today, the number is 10 to 11, so that's a full 20% of our total fleet, and that means that uh, uh, we, 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 it's become a very important commodity for us. And here, the trading patterns have changed a lot. It used to uh, be, for instance, that Europe would uh, import all its ammonia uh, from, from Russia or produce it itself. 
Uh, that has changed, of course. Uh, there's no flow from, from Russia at the current point in time. And also, um, the European producers of ammonia have stopped doing so because of high uh, natural gas prices. So right now, ammonia is being transported by ship in from as far places as Australia, from Bangladesh, from North America. And that, of course, gives good utilization on our, on our ships here. We, we think that the outlook for ammonia is particularly strong, given that ammonia will be a few for the future for, for shipping. It will be used for co-firing power plants in, in Asia. Uh, in general, it has a very good influence on the emissions footprint uh, for, for when, when, you, when you burn it uh, as, as fuel. So, uh, so we have great expectations about the development of the ammonia trade flows, and, and we are definitely very well positioned to benefit from that. And could you just spend one minute talking about the possibility of LPG replacing LNG in some, in some uses? The good thing about uh, LPG is that it's a, it's a very versatile uh, commodity. It can be used as an industrial component and it can also be used as, as energy. And, uh, and here, I mean, I expect that with the energy deficit in, in Europe that we are seeing, uh, that there are very good opportunities for, for LNG being imported into Europe as a, as a substitute for, for LNG when, when, when capacity limits are being met. Uh, and, and that probably also shows why the, the strength is, is there uh, in the LPT market right now. Yeah. And I think, I think Alessandro, hopefully when you said uh, bubbly, you didn't mean there was a bubble, but it's, it's very it's good times. It is good Ro times. Robust. Yes. Good times. Yeah, robust good times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I think from our perspective also, I think we, you mentioned the order book next year. I think nine months ago, I would probably concern, be more concerned about the order book, uh, given, you know, again, in shipping, we, we, we hear always this time is different, and it might not be after all. But uh, given the underlying fundamentals now, with the energy prices where they are, we're seeing gold, you know, good volumes both from the U.S., from the Middle East. And so that, think, and also, of course, within the LPG segment, we can no longer pre-book slots uh, through the Panama Canal. That's going to also create quite a few inefficiencies for us. And, you know, with regulations coming, uh, you know, a big part of the fleet will have to do something, as we heard other people talk about. So, so again, I think both the supply side and demand side look so strong for LPG. So I think, uh, you know, our, our, we're, quite, we're quite comfortable. Also, just listening into some of the previous discussions today, um, LPG could actually be an important fuel, you know, for quite a period. Uh, everybody talks about LNG, and I'm not sure anybody's burning LNG if they have an, an alternative these days because it's just too expensive. LPG is actually a great, also, in, you know, transitional fuel. So that could also be some additional demand. And Alexander, if we think back over the last decade, the demand side of the equation for LPG has never been the problem. China drinks everything you bring to them. Yes. The supply side has been the uh, question mark on a couple of occasions. Talk for a minute about uh, what you expect to have happen on the supply side. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, indeed, I mean, if we look at, you mentioned China being the biggest importer, I think uh, when we calculate 97% uh, of the VLGCs, uh, you know, they carry all the LPG into China. Uh, on the supply side, obviously, uh, U.S. has become the large exporter, and uh, you know, in terms of the ton miles being created as a result, you know, we uh, uh, also Andrew touched a little bit about it. You know, we we we, we see uh, next year, for instance, is about 46 new buildings coming to the market. Uh, 
know, can this, uh, you know, the, the total VLGC fleet is, is around 330 ships, 333 to be precise. So, you know, you are talking about a substantial new building coming in. Uh, uh, so when we do all our equations and look at, you know, the Panama congestions, we look at any delays both in, in, uh, in, in, in the ports, we, we have all these equations uh, together and uh, our demand factors, it equals to about 56 additional vessels. So, you know, it is, you know, we are not worried about the new buildings coming in. And we do think, you know, we will see a small dip in the market, probably, you know, a small correction compared to where we are right now. Uh, uh, but we are not concerned and uh, the volumes will continue to be exported. Matt, I'm going to give you a very similar question. Let's talk about the export capacity from the U.S. and let's talk about, to a lesser degree, the ability to absorb the fleet next year. Yes. Um, when it comes to uh, export capacity uh, here, uh, ethylene is, is a big driver of, of our business and uh, we have invested in 2020 into a 1 million ton uh, export facility together with Enterprise. Um, and, and it, it has been wrapped up during 21, and, and, and right now it's running at uh, full capacity. There was a little bit of softness in, in Q3 also, but, but that has, has recovered well. Um, uh, Enterprise has publicly stated that they would like to expand that capacity, and, uh, and, and we have also been saying in public that we are uh, in discussions with Enterprise, and we are happy to continue developing that uh, joint, joint venture with them, so that, that we expect that that will grow and be a larger proportion of our overall business. And, and we would also be interested in, in building similar relationships with, with other, that could be, for instance, uh, ammonia uh, producers, exporters, uh, to do a similar type of integration. We see great commercial benefits from being uh, close with the, uh, with the terminal that, that exports it. It, it gives us uh, good uh, intelligence on how to position our fleet and, and operate it. So, uh, so there are a lot of synergies and also, of course, the stability in the cash flow that it creates is, uh, is, is, is great for us. Your business is a little bit more complicated than the average uh, shipping business and certainly than the average LP. Take a few minutes and take us in, in relative detail through the combination of you know, vessels you have, assets you have, joint ventures you have, so that people can understand the, the parts better. Yeah, I mean, we, we operate, we own uh, 53 uh, vessels. Uh, most of them, 39, are handy sizes. Uh, we are, uh, as you mentioned before also, we, we bought five uh, additional ones from, from our, our partner, Greater Bay in, in China. So, so we'll have up to, to 58 uh, vessels, mainly centered around the handy size. The good thing about handy size ships is that it's, it's relatively versatile. Most of them have what's called ethylene capacity, which means that the ships can cool down the cargoes down to minus 103, uh, which makes the, the, the ships extremely uh, versatile so they can transport all the different types of commodities that, that, that we have been talking about. But of course, that also is a challenge. It, it means that it's, uh, it requires smart people uh, to, to operate those ships and to make sure that, that they can take the, the right cargoes at, at the right time, that um, they've been cleaned up the way they should uh, between switching cargoes and, and so on. So it is a, a complex uh, operation, and, and, and that means, of course, that also the entry barriers for, 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 for newcomers uh, or, or those some that would like to enter the business, is, they're quite high to, to climb. So. Um, that, that makes it, it a niche that is, is, is well protected. 
And your, your terminal business represents something like 20% of your EBITDA? Yeah, just below 20% of our EBITDA, and we expect it to, to climb higher once uh, we uh, continue and, and finalize the, uh, the uh, current discussions with enterprise. So, so it is a growing part of our total business, and, and we think it, it creates a great complementarity to, to our shipping business, uh, which is very cash generative, of course. And Anders, we touched on this earlier, but I want to get uh, more of your view on the ability to absorb uh, the, uh, the 2023 fleet. I remember you saying nine months ago that it was the elephant in the room, and now it's maybe now it's uh, a mouse mosquito. or some mosquito. mosquito in the room. Okay. No, I, no again, I, I really do think that uh, in, in the environment we see the desperate need uh, that uh, Europe has put itself into when it comes to energy. And so, uh, and we, we, we actually, I'm, even before, before thinking about the additional demand to Europe, I think we're quite comfortable with the underlying, underlying fundamentals, you know, uh, uh, before, before this happened, you know. So, uh, so we're not experiencing any, any uh, lesser demand or any, any uh, uh, shorter uh, ton miles, you know, because Europe is, is uh, more active. We are still seeing the same trades, so, so the European demand in many ways is additional. And so, so and, and again, with, with those underlying fundamentals, with nice growth, and we see, of course, in the U.S., I mean, Europe is totally dependent on two places. There's Middle East or, or in, and, and the U.S., or the world is dependent on, on the, for, for energy sources. And so, and those, and, and LPG, you know, we're, we're lucky in that sense that if, if there's demand for LNG or oil, you know, we're there along. You know, we're a, we're a byproduct, and it's, it's always going to be there. So, so uh, given those fundamentals, and given, again, the inefficiencies, and, and as I say, the regulations will take out some capacity also. So we haven't, you know, we, we have our own numbers internally for what we think it is, but, but I think it's still, you know, that remains to be seen. Of course, the EXI will, you know, they will sort of happen right away. The CII, we won't be able to, you know, see the results really before another year, year and a half. So, but in total, uh, we feel that uh, the balance looks quite good for next year. And, and Anders, similarly, take a couple minutes and take us through what your business looks like, what the, what the vessel profile is and, and your recent acquisition of the, of the trading business. Yes, yes. So, so we, are, we have 39 VLGCs uh, uh, on the water, owned or operated. Uh, our, you know, our trades are very much from the, from the U.S. and to, to the Far East and, and from, uh, and from uh, also Middle East and particularly to India. And uh, uh, we have also uh, made the decision, and, and I listened to again the panels earlier, and, and we have also made the decision th three or four years ago to, to invest in new technology. So we, we have actually retrofitted 15 of our ships to be dual fuel uh, LPG vessels. And I can, I can assure everybody in the room that that's actually been very successful. We did those things on time and budget, even during COVID, and, uh, and we're seeing great results. Yes, there's always teething issues with new te technology, but I think uh, uh, the, the experience we're gaining and the benefits we're seeing, both from the environment perspective but also economically, is, is, is great. And I think, and I, I'd like to actually make a statement on this. I mean, I think as an industry, you know, the whole shipping industry. I mean, it, it, it really is time to show some discipline. I mean, we are the leader in our segment. I, we said we're not going to build new. We think that's, you know, the footprint from building new versus retrofit, is, it's, it's much greater. So I think if we can show that discipline, and I think there's plenty of opportunities to use existing vessels, you know, to, to, to move in the right direction. So, uh, so to us, that's, that's a big investment, but still, I'm very happy to invest $130 million and get 15 ships with the latest technology, and to buy one ship at the moment at $95 million. 
And, and take us through the, uh, your, your recent acquisition on the trading side. Yes, so again, we, we, we of course saw as, as a leading, leading uh, ship owner, we saw that many of our customers were starting to order ships and own ships and, uh, and you know, really becoming ship owners in addition to traders. And of course, so, so in order for us to protect our position and to see how can we both take a greater share of the wallet in that market, but also protect in our position and get better information and so forth, we then decided three years ago to enter into product trading. We've done that now for three years and, uh, you know, in a limited, a limited fashion, but to learn about the business and to, to get, uh, get comfortable with it. And now just recently, as we just announced, that we're acquiring the LPG trading business from Vilma. Uh, we're still waiting for, for final authorities uh, to prove this, but uh, within three or four weeks we expect that to happen. And that, uh, that is going to give us, uh, I, we think, a, a really much more optionality, flexibility in how we run our business. It will give us additional revenue source. It's also a good way for us to, over the cycles to, to uh, protect the downside. And, and, but the most important thing is it gives us opportunity to enter into new types of contracts and gives us much better information on the product. But and maybe that, I can just yes. add to, to what Anna says yes. here. That, um, I, I guess we're just listening to the capital markets uh, asking us to maybe show a, a slightly more uh, stable uh, cash flow profile. And, and, and that's why we, we're doing as, as, as we are, both uh, Navigator and, and, and BW. Um, but at, I mean, rest assured that, that the capital discipline has definitely also been something that has been picked up on. And that's what we've seen in the industry. that. Uh, share buybacks and, and, and dividend policies and so on has, has really uh, found its way into, into our sector. So I think that capital discipline is, is something that has been high on the agenda for, for most all of us. No, and, and a lot of companies within the segment have, uh, have paid much bigger dividends in the last year and yeah. big share buyback programs. Take us through what you guys, have, BW, has done in the last year. Yeah, and we, we, have, we now have a, a dividend policy paying us 75% of our net profits on a quarterly basis. And of course, we also have a buyback program, and which, uh, which uh, you know, we we uh, uh, we you know, actively use, and and and, uh, and of course, uh, we our balance sheet at the moment is too strong. I have to admit that, given that we were somewhat concerned about next year some some uh, some some while ago. At the same time, I think the the range of outcomes, you know, given given uh, still the uncertainty, uh, I'm very happy to 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 have a strong balance sheet. But of course, over time, it's important to, to make good decisions. But we'll continue to, to uh, if we can sell, sell ships at, uh, at uh, well above NAV and buy back shares at, uh, at 30, 35% discount, we'll do that all day long. Okay, Alexander, crystal ball time. <laughs> crystal ball time, yes, yes. Day rates over the next two years. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, again, we have touched upon it already, and, and uh, you know, uh, we are uh, uh, very optimistic uh, on the VLGC side. Uh, maybe a small dip next year due to the correction of the new buildings coming in. We are not too concerned. When it comes to 24 and 25, so you know, you're looking on, on the VLs. You know, we are approximately landing around $55,000 a day in, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, 24 and slight around 50000 for 25. So you know, you're talking about a substantial increase. And you know, one thing which is interesting when we're talking about all these uh, uh, you, you know, uh, demand equivalents and you know, with the new environmental uh, regulations coming in next year, it's interesting to observe that probably Again, on the VLGC side, then, but uh, you know, uh, one not that you 50% of the VLGC probably has to reduce their, their speed with uh, about one knot. 
that equals to, you know, when you transfer to ton mile, around 10 VLGC equivalents. So, you know, this puts it into perspective. You know, when you're talking about trading routes and you're talking about vessels, uh, you know, still the Panama congestion will be a, a major factor in being involved here. So, you know, we are, uh, we are all optimistic. And also for, for Matt's point of view and, and on the mid-size and handies, we were somewhat a little bit more concerned mainly due to, uh, you know, the LPG and the more regional movements. Now with the ammonia, and uh, that's something we have foreseen for, uh, for uh, some time, but it just happened. Of course, Yushni from Ukraine, uh, all of a sudden, uh, not there anymore, or heavily reduced the export. So this has helped a lot and created new, new routes for the handies, as well as the midsize. So, you know, we are overall, uh, you know, quite firm going forwards. And, and Mets, on the vessel side, what's your cash or OPEX break-even? Um, we have... A it, it depends a little bit on, on, on what you include, uh, but, but I mean, if we have typically an, an SGNA uh, cost around $1,200 per day. We have an uh, OPEX per day of, of some $8,000, $8,200 per, per, per day. And then, of course, depending on what you put in, in terms of assumptions around uh, depreciation and, and interest cost, uh, it, it, it's going to come up, uh, you could say, in, in the mid-high teens in terms of uh, cash break even. But of course, Having rates that, that rarely go below 20,000 per day and, and currently are, are moving around the, the 2025, uh, our industry does not really reach that uh, cash break even level at any point in time. Uh, we haven't seen that as, at least historically. So right now, as a company, we have a, a very robust balance sheet at the same time. We have delivered quite, quite a bit, and I don't think we should deliver any more, which means that we will have uh, cash ready for, for redistribution. Uh, about three and a half times EBITDA uh, is, is our current net uh, leverage uh, level. So, um, so yeah, it, it pretty resilient uh, break-even levels and, and a robust balance sheet. I think that, that's a good combination. Thank you. Anders, with, the, with expected day rates north of $50,000 a day, what, what, give us whatever detail you'd like to in terms of OPEX and cash break-even. Yeah, no, I think um, our, our sort of total uh, all-in cost is around low 20s, around 21,000. So, so those levels uh, will will smile quite yes. often. <laughs> of course, we we our our, our rates of business more volatile than the, the matzes, and so so you know we have experienced times when you know rates also come down below that. But uh, but again, given the balance and and again given <laughs> given the outlook, I'm I'm uh, again I'm not going to make any forecasts on rates, but we certainly. We certainly believe uh, that it's going to be a, a robust market uh, for the foreseeable future. And of course, you know, also in the short term, we saw the inventories in the U.S. are really picking up, and so, so uh, last uh, or the first quarter this year was a little weaker than expected. But I think uh, it's looking quite quite healthy going into the winter. Let's talk about uh, fuel propulsion and fuels of the future. And I know a couple of prior panels touched base on this, but I'll start with uh, Matt's on this. Yeah, I, I th we are a, a tramp business. So that means that, that we don't know what our trading patterns uh, will be. So when we fix a ship, it, it may end up in Asia, but then the next journey, we're not quite sure where that's gonna go from. So that means that we're pretty dependent on having uh, fueling uh, or fuels that are widely available in the market. But of course, having dual fuel technology, uh, there are some uh, opportunities in that. 
we will likely not go out and, and, and build a uh, ammonia-propelled uh, vessel uh, in, without having, you could say, an, an understanding or contract against it. But, but those are starting to come. We're starting to see a number of ammonia producers that want us to bid for uh, the production or, or the, the building of an ammonia-propelled vessel to service uh, a green or blue ammonia uh, trade lane. So, uh, so, so it's coming. We don't have, you could say, uh, the contract's quite ready for, for signing yet, but I think definitely within the next year or two, we'll really uh, start seeing the first new buildings uh, coming in that, that will be ammonia propelled. Um, given that ammonia is, is such an important uh, commodity in, in our segment, I'm, I'm most certain that that will be the, the fuel of the future for, 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 for our part of the gas tanker sector, um, uh, as, as opposed to, to methanol. And just give us your best guess as to what this rollout of use of ammonia will look like. Yeah, I, I think that it will definitely start in, in those trade lanes where the production uh, of, of the ammonia, of the green and the blue ammonia, is in, in the one end, and then it goes wherever it's, it's going. So there'll be some uh, long-term contracts that, that there'll be a, a shipbuilding program up against. Uh, so that's, that's going to happen within the next one, two, three years. So we'll start seeing the first uh, new bills uh, entering uh, or, or being ordered. Uh, then it's probably going to take uh, five years plus before we, we start seeing the, uh, a more broad-based uh, ordering of, of ammonia-propelled ships, simply because the, the infrastructure and the ports will need to, to catch up. So we need to see those uh, key uh, fueling places in, in Singapore, in, in Rotterdam, in, in uh, Houston, uh, before it, it, it really starts taking off. So it's going to be a, a few years before we see, um, yeah, uh, you could say ships that are just built for free renewal and not purpose-built uh, being driven by ammonia. And Alexander, even though this isn't your specialty, you've been shipping for too long not to answer this question as well. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, uh, for sure, like Matt's touched upon, we are not there yet when it comes to dual fuel uh, ammonia technology. We need to keep in mind we are talking about a highly toxic uh, type of gas. You know, the technologies are moving forward, uh, you know, uh, uh, but we'll get there. Uh, uh, on the VL side, I mean, it's more current order book of 70 ships now. I mean, I think all of them are fitted with dual fuel engines. Uh, obviously, these engines can run on both VLSFO and also LPG. And, and some of these are suitable for running on ammonia as well, but you know, there's quite limited so far, uh, uh, and we are not there yet. I mean, there are many still challenges from, from engine makers when it comes to everything from ventilation to the complexity of, of ammonia. So until then, I mean, I mean you know, LPG, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, cleaner, most cost-efficient uh, that we have today, and uh, the order book is a proof of that. And also with Anders uh, retrofit uh, ships, 15 in total. So, you know, uh, it, make, it makes very much sense. When it comes to ammonia, I mean, I think that, you know, uh, trading patterns for ammonia, uh, you know, it's getting a bit... Uh, <laughs> It's not about just changing grades between ammonia and LPG. It, it, you know, it, it, is, it takes a long time. For a VLGC, you're talking about cleaning of 20, 25 days only. <coughs> so, you know, we will see, you know, VLGCs or uh, carrying ammonia probably within three to five years. Uh, uh, but, you know, they will be on special trade routes. Uh, and so you will have a diversified fleet, ammonia fleet, as well as LPG fleet. 
that's our view on it. Thank you. And Anders, same question. Yeah. No, I mean, ammonia clearly is something that we're watching very closely, and, uh, and, uh, 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 but at the same time, we, we, we don't see that being an alternative for quite some time. And uh, uh, I think, you know, as, as Mats turns upon, I mean, the infrastructure is important. Of course, we need, you know, the right kind of ammonia. And so, and, and I've actually tested also our team the last two. I was told that it was not so difficult to go from LPG oil and to ammonia. Uh, so I tested my team on the last two retrofits. I said, fine, make them ammonia ready. And three months later, they came back and said, well, it was harder than we thought. You know, there's too many, there's too many issues still we need to deal with. And so, and of course, just uh, uh, so, so, and you know, our older ships, we can, we can still, we can still, uh, we can still transport ammonia on those. So, so we, we know ammonia, understand it, but at the same time, it's, uh, again, I think that's uh, many years out. And we hear about many initiatives, which I think is great, and we really want to be, you know, we're, we're spending money and time to look into it. But for me, right now, uh, for, especially for the LPG sector, I mean, uh, dual fuel LPG engines is, is, uh, is the right thing to do. And, and I think even for many other segments, I don't see if Heidemann is here, but I told him here the other day that uh, if he wants optionality, you know, call me. Okay, assuming that Nicholas invites us all back uh, next year. <laughs> Mats, what are we gonna talk about next year? No, I think sustainability is gonna stay high on the agenda and particularly for, for our segment because we have the expertise in, in, in moving uh, both toxic and also hard to handle uh, uh, types of fuel. So, so, so we'll continue to be a, a key player in that whole energy transition. Um, uh, I hope that the, uh, the macroeconomic uh, volatility that we, we are facing right now is gonna be uh, something that we'll look back on and, and, and not forward to. So I hope that that's gonna be, be gone. So, so I hope it's gonna be about the development of the business, about the, the, the returns that are being created in, in the industry and, and how we make sure that that capital is also distributed back to the investors. So, yeah. Alexander, what are we gonna talk about next year? <laughs> Well, at that time, we have probably opened in Champagne already, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, again, it will be interesting to see, you know, we are just at the starting phase of the environmental issues, see how the fleet will adapt to it. I mean, we have done our calculations, and uh, I like, uh, like I mentioned, you know, for 50% of the VL fleet needs to reduce their speed with about one knot, and we will see how that actually will sort of, uh, you know, as more as we learn about it and see how the fleet will adapt to it, it will be interesting to see. Uh, you know, uh, we are also very, uh, the petrochemical market is also a very interesting uh, and challenging to forecast, I must admit, after mm. 25 years of this industry, to try to forecast one year ahead on ethylene, you know, you, <laughs> it is, uh, you know, due to imbalances or, you know, uh, one thing is the enterprise export, uh, another thing is the PDH plants in China will have you know, major uh, uh, factor uh, to it. But um, yeah, hopefully our predictions will be uh, in line and that uh, uh, both uh, Mats as well as Anders will, uh, will probably uh, see the share price increase. <laughs> I'm glad you said that yes. because they can't. <laughs> so Anders, what are we gonna talk about next year? Well, we're definitely gonna talk about, you know, some experience then with the regulations and so we'll see how that has, has played its role. Uh, I hope and think also that there will be more realism. I think Doc Heel mentioned, showed us some interesting graphs earlier. And I think 
hopefully, uh, the world is moving to a place where we, we go for real action, not for a lot of talk. And I think uh, in our industry, I think we're, we're doing a lot of things. And I think we should be proud of many of the steps we're taking. Uh, sustainability is important, but we also need to prioritize where do we, where do we really uh, put our focus. And, and I think as an industry, we should also remind our, our friends in the governments and politicians that, uh, you know, we are doing, we're taking many steps, but at the same time, the, the key problem is not us. And, 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 but we will, we will do our part, but I think there will be more realism and be more focused on real action and not on just a lot of talk. I think we've got less than a minute left. If there's any questions from the audience, we have time for one. Yes, I saw a hand back there. I have a very loud voice, so I'll just scream something. Sounds good. Matt, you want to take that, or? Um, yeah, I'll do a number, for example. I mean, we, I mean, we, we, yeah, what we at least our, our estimate is that we will see we will see imports uh, into Europe uh, next year growing from about eight eight nine million tons to thirteen fourteen. So that's that's uh, our our sort of forecast. But again, uh, breaking it down for you, I wouldn't be able to. I think it, it's we we, we see. Clearly, that substitution. We hear it's substitution, and, but also many of the companies will keep, you know, their cards close to their chest. They're not going to say exactly how they're how they're playing this. But we see, and again, a large Norwegian oil company. Typically, they will have a couple a couple LPG uh, cargoes per month, uh, and we don't see that anymore. So we suspect that that's going into into the uh, LNG uh, stream. So, but but again, I don't have good numbers. No, and, and neither do I. When I talk to, to my team, they say it doesn't seem to be that there are any bottlenecks uh, in, in terms of importing LPG into Europe, but, but we don't uh, transport as much into Europe, so I, I don't have numbers to present either. But, but yeah. No, I mean, uh, a little bit like the, I'm just also touched upon, you know, when we see today's natural gas prices, uh, most of the export, let's say, from Norway and Equinor is uh, injected into the LNG. Uh, so, you know, when you look at Europe in total, I mean, and the fleet diversification, you, you know, compared to where we are today, uh, we, we, we are uh, uh, modest when it comes to Europe. I don't want to mention any numbers either. Uh, but, but again, uh, for us, it's, it's all about Far East on LPG, uh, and, and you know, th that is going to be the main drive going forwards. Panelists, thank you very much. Audience, thank you for listening to us. Thank you.